Here's a question you probably have not been asked recently. So let me ask it right here, right now. What kind of rewards are you building in your life right now as a servant of Christ that you will receive when you enter heaven? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we're going to be talking about rewards today. Now, that is something, as I said in the opening, that a lot of times we don't talk about because people get confused about it. They focus on, well, I'm saved. I've been saved by grace through faith. And that's awesome. That's exactly right. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. But the Bible also goes on to say that we are saved for good works, that we are to be zealous for them, that Jesus is going to return and he has his reward in hand and that we will be judged when you look at the parables about the talents and about the investment that the servants had made in the return on investment. And we're going to be seeing today that you uh, as a Christian are watering, planting, okay, uh, maintaining, whatever it may be that God has called you to do through the spiritual gifts and through your obedience, we're going to see today that you will receive a wage according to your labor. And that is just, that is good, that is right. God has called us, he's given us tasks that he wants you and I to do to advance his holy name. And it's not about doing it because people tell you to do it. You do it in recognition of the one who has called you and has sent you. So today is podcast 222, where we left off was in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we started to break into this chapter and the title was, How Spiritually Mature Are You? And this is so important, you guys, because if you missed last podcast, please do me a favor. Pause this one. I know that may be hard for some of you guys, but trust me, go back to that. If you missed, or maybe you forgot, go back to it and listen to it because this is so important. If you are spiritually immature, then you're not laboring according to the calling of God, according to his will. And remember, this is important because when you do look at the life of a Christian, it's to Notice a few things. Walk worthy. This is all in the book of Ephesians. We are to make sure that we do his will. And number three, the third W is to do his work. So we are to have a worthy walk. We're to be obedient to his will. And we're to be steadfast in the work that he's called us to do. And as you do that, you will see your maturity blossom. And you will receive rewards in heaven. And a lot of times people think, well, isn't salvation enough? That's, that's not the system that God has put in place. So that's a false way of questioning or phrasing this discussion. Yes, we have been saved from death and separation from God, but we've been called in that salvation to do the work of God where he will reward us, not based on our own merit. See, that's the whole point. The work we're doing is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God the Father is the one who has ordained 
and authored salvation. He is the originator of it. Jesus is the redeemer. The Holy Spirit is the sealer and the empowerer. He's the one that helps us accomplish the work. Jesus said, I must go in order for the helper to come. So the paracolitos can help us to do the work that he's called us to do. So this is so important, my friends. And, and so as we get into verses five through eight, I want to ask you, as you look at your life, what kind of work are you doing for God? Now, there is a book. There's actually two that I want to recommend to you guys before I dive into this particular passage in 1 Corinthians 3, where the title again is, What Rewards Will You Receive? And that's the question I want to ask you. Right now in your life, right now, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what rewards do you believe you will receive? Now, I'm not saying get specific, like, oh, I'm going to get an emerald, you know, on my crown and put it on my head. I'm not saying like that because sometimes people can think that. But if you look at your life right now in obedience to the Lord, are you a servant who's being worthy with the calling that you've been called to? And two books that have helped me in life with these is the first one is, is written by Woodrow Kroll. And he wrote a book called Facing Your Final Job Review. And the subtitle is The Judgment Seat of Christ salvation and eternal rewards and if you remember for many many years Woodrow Kroll who has written you know tons of books he's the former president and the senior bible teacher of the international media ministry back to the bible and so he does a really good job breaking down as a Christian how we will receive our rewards and the other one is a life that God rewards by Bruce Wilkinson and I know people have debated a lot of his material and I'm not saying I embrace all of it, just like most people that I read, but that is definitely hands down a very simplistic and theologically grounded book that has helped put things in perspective in my life. And you know what? I'm going to throw a third one in there and it's by Randy Alcorn and he, he does a great job, the treasured principle and it's about how you live your life. And it was actually my father-in-law years ago told me about this book and it really brought perspective and, and conviction to be even more obedient and his, in his calling to be generous and to give, which is one of the premier examples in my life of somebody, including his wife, who have given generously without looking for anything in return. So a life that God rewards, Bruce Wilkinson, Facing Your Final Job Review by Woodrow Kroll and The Treasured Principle by Randy Alcorn. And that's going to help you because as we dive into this passage now, that, that layout that each one of those books put forth expands on this concept of what we're going to be looking at today. So let me dive right in. And if you have a Bible, I encourage you to read along with me. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Now, if you look at this particular passage of scripture right off the bat, you see that he poses these questions. What then is Apollos or what is Paul? Why is this important? Again, this is what I was encouraging earlier. Hopefully you've paused and you're now back. If you missed, you notice back in verse four, it says, for when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? 
And this was important because remember, we distinguish between these special groups in the Greco-Roman world. It wasn't just what you knew, but who you knew. And so for the lower class, as I talked about, you know, they, there's a patronage, you know, you gain favor and recognition. And so the early people, granted, obviously in their culture in Corinth, this is what they were applying when it came to the Christian faith. It's who they heard the message from, who they belong to. And, and there's nothing new under the sun. This is still how we are, you know, in my line of work as a national speaker and a Christian apologist and writer, um, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're diving into particular subject matters um, that you're teaching on or when you're doing, you're on a panel discussion or doing a Q&A, oftentimes I will say under the teaching, under the tutelage for, man, about 15 years roughly was under Dr. Norman Geisler, not just as my professor in seminary, but as a personal friend, spiritual father and mentor who I traveled with, spoke uh, many stages with, um, wrote a book with, had countless mills discussing deep theological, apologetic, uh, cultural issues. And so, so that, that, you know, that's a, that's a healthy thing because I'm not saying, oh, I'm of Geisler. And then you have in the crosshairs, another growing specialized group that you don't think is authentic because they're not in your house. They don't belong to your tribe. They're not doing the things or learning or acting or teaching on the fundamentals that you believe in the Geyserite community, if you will, that is more profound and more accurate than another. That would be wrong. Okay. So, you know, I can say I learned from Dr. Norman Geyser in these particular areas and that I've learned some aspects in Hebrew with, from Dr. Michael Brown um, you know, who's a bit more charismatic, uh, than Dr. Norman Geyser, but you don't divide. They're both brothers and you know, they're both brothers in Christ. So you, when you collect these brothers and sisters in the Lord that you learn from, or the pastors that I've been under or other scholars, some of them are partial narrowness. Some of them are full. Uh, some are Calvinistic in their theology. They're more reformed than others. And so the point is, is that they're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just differ on some things. And you don't want to be divisive. And this is what was happening. And Apollos clearly was a lot more eloquent in his delivery. And now he preached from the scriptures than Paul. Paul being more profound in his education and learning, but came very meekish and very humble. Okay, so probably Apollos had a lot more charisma and so attracted more people, if you will. And Paul didn't let that discourage him in the calling that he had and the and the cool thing about this when he's saying are we all not just merely human meaning we all have our limitations so if god's using me and god's using apollos that's a good thing and if you see the conduct in which they behaved and this is so profound and this is a big part i think especially us as ministers of the gospel we all have a priestly service we're told by peter in first peter 2 that when we're doing the work of God, it's not in jealousy or strife, verse three. It's not to be in the flesh because no flesh will boast in the presence of God, verse 29 and verse 31 uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter one. I believe even up to verse 33, if I'm correct. But he says, you're still in the flesh when there's jealousy and there's strife. And we're not to behave that way. 
So we're not to say, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, and start causing division when Paul and Apollos didn't do that. They were a good example. And so that then speaks into this questioning of what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? And he's proceeding here, Paul the Apostle, by dismissing party affiliations. And my friends, this is so foundational to a life that God rewards. So when I ask you the question, what rewards will you receive? If there's a lot of jealousy and strife. If you're of this and you're not of that and you're, and you're causing division, that, my friends, is a clear indication that whatever you're doing, quote unquote, for the Lord, you're not. And the same goes for me. The same goes for me. None of us are removed from this, especially someone like me who works with a lot of different ministries and partners with a lot of different well-known Christian leaders. It's easy to get caught up in that. And so as you're listening to this, you pray for me, please. I need your prayers to remember I am a servant of Christ. Like this podcast, I do this because I love Jesus. I love his word. And I love teaching his word to people who want to learn it or people who have questions and people who want to stand strong in the word so they have a strong faith. That's why I do it. It's not to try to compete against other, because man, there, there are millions of downloads that go on with other uh, people who are teaching God's word and praise God for that. And if we can, if we can help uh, a slither of people around the world and that's what God has called us to do, we want to be faithful to that. And again, the day will come, what kind of rewards am I going to receive for how I conducted myself uh, and leading you guys and coming together as brothers and sisters in the Lord around the world in the study of God's word. So when Paul's dismissing these party affiliations, we have to recognize that we have to do the same. And what is he doing? He's identifying the true nature of church leaders. They're servants. He says, so who are we? We're servants through whom you believed. That is the word diakonos, where we get the word deacon from. So he says, we're servants of Christ. Now, the, the NIV application study Bible said, according to Dr. Bloomberg, he notes in this verse, Paul's addressing the Corinthians' tendency to elevate human leaders to the point of division and boasting. And so what he's doing here is he's emphasizing that both Apollos and Paul are merely servants who played a role in their conversion. You didn't save them. You played a role in their salvation. So the mention of the Lord giving opportunity uh, to each one underscores that he is the one who is truly in charge and worthy of worship. Boy, is that so profoundly true in our culture today. God can use someone and then he goes to their head. And then before you know it, you're like, what happened? What happened with this person? Well, they started to align themselves with these party affiliates or these patronages, you know? And so what now Paul does, he says, look, we're servants. We played a role in your conversion. God has called us to do that. He's given us the opportunity, but that underscores the work of what Christ has done for us in coming into this world, taking on flesh, dying on the cross for our sins and rising again and empowering us, giving us that delegated authority to do the work that he did on earth. And so now that's what Paul talks about in verse six, where he's saying, I planted Apollos water. So now he's, he's, he's not causing major distinction between the two in their particular areas of reasoning, but he's distinguishing their roles. 
So if he says we're servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So we're doing the things that God has called us to do. So when I'm planting and Apollos is watering, it's God who gives the growth. It's God who gives the growth. So what Paul's now doing for, for this to really hit home to the Corinthians is he's using a, a Gregarian agricultural metaphor to describe how the church grows. And that is so beautiful. Each person contributes some measure of the church growth. Paul was a missionary. So he clearly planted the seed of the gospel. If you go back to Acts chapter 18, verses four through 11, Paulos was a teacher. He cultivated and planted uh, the work that Paul preached. We said in Acts 18, 24 through 28. You wouldn't have an Apollos if you didn't have a Paul. But when Apollos comes up and Apollos' ministry grows um, and Barnabas, you know, leads with John Mark and they do work that God has called them to do, there's not in competition to Paul the Apostle. They're working together. They're covering different ground. So, you know, it wasn't Paul or Apollos who were the ones who were causing the increase. It was God alone. And that's what Paul makes mention here. It's the Holy Spirit who accomplishes his will through his chosen people. So when we make it about other people or ourselves or certain style of leadership or denominations, I just came from an event and one young person was saying to me, you know, how do you feel um, about different denominations or different perspectives of divine election? You know, why can't we just be followers of Jesus Christ? And it was refreshing to hear a young person had that perspective. Another gentleman came up to me in his mid-20s and talking about, you know, some of the politics that go with the church and seeing some of the, the nonsense, the lack of wisdom. And that was very refreshing to hear. Now, when it's this phrase here where it says God gave the growth, this is a verb form of the word um, oxano, which means to cause to grow or to make uh, an increase of, of measure. It is in this eros tense that's in, a, in the indicative mood, which is also the active voice indicating a past action performed by God. Meaning God has already given the growth and we have to walk and step in that. And there are many passages of scripture that speak to this. For example, John 15, five, Jesus is the vine. We're his branches. So if we abide in him and him in us, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? We will bear much fruit. But apart from this, you could do nothing. So clearly the verse here emphasizes the dependence of believers on Jesus, who's the true source of spiritual growth. You and I can help. I've been privileged and blessed, my friends, to have participated in some small and greater degrees in people's spiritual growth. But what a blessing. And so what Jesus is reaffirming, as Paul is saying here, is apart from him, apart from Christ, our efforts are in vain. You also have in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So Paul's emphasis is on the corporate growth. So, so as, as people plant and people water, God's given an increase. And when we see that, my friends, we should not just individualistically see the growth, but we can see it personified when it's linked in connection with other people. So I should actually see that part of my spiritual maturity 
is in and is in right development alongside of other people in my fellowship as community of believers whereas colossians 2:19 says and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from god so again paul says this in first corinthians 3 picking up from what jesus said in john 15 5 being the vine again in ephesians chapter 4 again in colossians chapter 2 so this verse again in colossians 2 19 it underscores the significance of believers staying connected staying connected to christ who is the head we're his body without the head there's no body there's no life so if you and I want to have spiritual nourishment, if we want to have development in our faith, we need to make sure that we are allowing the people God has called to plant, allowing the people that God has called to water, allowing the people who God has even called prior to planting to the cultivation and the maintaining. We, are, we need to be in right step with that, knowing that God has given growth in all of those stages. And that's why he says in verse seven, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And then in verse eight, he who plants and he who waters are one. And notice, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. There are times, my friends, and we need to hear this, that I'm given an opportunity through the hands and feet and obedience and faith and love and servitude of others. So when I'm planting I got to I got to think about the people who taught me how to do that. And and so they're shared that in that shared relationship and that shared experience in the faith we are helping other people receive their rewards. And part of the rewards we will receive is how we went about not only doing these certain things that God has like when God's called me to be a teacher. If I just thought of that and only cared about that and neglected how to help people as I teach and giving recognition of people who've helped me be a better teacher, see, it's, 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 these are shared rewards, okay? These are shared rewards. So planting refers to the initial proclamation of the message of Christ. Well, who went before that person and who led that person to Christ? That's a reward that that person will see who led that person to the Christ who then is now leading other people to Christ. And so that's the multiple, this is not a, this is not a pyramid scheme. Okay. You know, like a lot of these other companies out there, this is, this is the Holy spirit moving in and seeing the gospel spread. So watering refers to the nurturing and the building upon that foundation. And the other thing, if I might add, cause this is important is, you know, there are limitations for, to all of us. Like I run a parachurch organization. It just means one that comes alongside, comes from the paracolitos to be a partner. So we assist the church. We are not a church. Um, we don't operate as an organizational church where people come and, and worship and gather. We don't provide those type of services under pastors and elders. We come alongside that type of structure to feed the church. And so yes, collectively, uh, the organism of the body of Christ is present as we feed his people to do the work of the ministry. But what's important for us to understand though, is that when people are called to a specific task and they do it, don't expect more from them when they did exactly what God called them to do. So for example, if someone's an evangelist, more often than not, that person is not gonna be the one who's gonna primarily grow your faith. 
they are going to be the person who God called to lead you to faith. And so they're the, they're a planter. And that was Paul. Paul ultimately, even though he went back through at times to check on people, he had an evangelistic heart. That's why we had the missionary journeys. And then along the way, God would use and raise up as Paul would do. He'd raise up elders of the church. And that's how we got to see people like Timothy, Pastor Timothy, who he wrote to, you know, first and second Timothy too. So Paul asserts that both roles are important in the process of people coming to faith and growing in their faith. And those who engage in them are working toward a common goal. And that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves. I may not like certain temperaments or personalities. They may rub me the wrong way. And God forgive me in some of those. But I'm not to go around bad-mouthing these people because they operate a certain way or they do it differently. Maybe they have different gifts or they come from a different culture. Um, and that's fine. But what I can't let that do is remove the common goal that we have. Our gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. And they're given to us so we can do the work that God has called us to do. Therefore, the ministry that we do is not about us. We are not the ones who receive the credit. We're not the ones who take all the praise. We are commissioned by Jesus as bond servants to serve him boldly, openly, and honestly. We're to serve him with our whole lives. Or as Paul would later write, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So this phrase, we are one. As workers in God's field, we are not to compete against one another. Think about all the competition that's going on. That's a loss of rewards right there. Loss of rewards. You can see you had the biggest event, you had the biggest conference, you sold the most books. But guess what? You're competing. We're not to compete against one another. We're not to compete for souls. We are co-laborers. We're co-workers who belong to the body of Christ. And that's why then Paul says, you will receive your wage. Now, remember the reward for the farmer was the harvest. So this phrase, you will receive his wages is translated from the Greek word mesthos, which refers to compensation or payment for the work that is done by a servant. So in this context, Paul uses mythos to describe the future rewards that awaits every Christian who served Christ faithfully on earth. So it's important for us to note that these rewards are not earned through human merit or personal accomplishments, but are graciously given by God based on the faithfulness, based on the utter obedience. And you'll see later in verses 14 and 15, Paul says, if, you, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So that's where a lot of us are at right now is you've done work for God or so we think, but is it going to last? Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And then the next chapter over first Corinthians four, verse five, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God, meaning his praise directly from God. This is reflected in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, which I was saying earlier, when Jesus tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard, where you have the landowner who, he, who goes and hires laborers, 
and is going to give them a wage. And regardless of the number of hours they worked, right, he gives them a wage. And he is, he is the author of that. He is the owner of that. He has the right to do that. So this is something for us to consider before we jump into the next passage in verse 9 and follow when we, we really do evaluate what type of rewards will be burned up that we thought was from, from the Lord and it wasn't. But for now, as we looked at verses five through eight, the question before you guys is, are you living your life in such a way that's honorable to the Lord? Not selfishly, because that's the whole thing. When you're doing in the spirit, it's not selfish. The end goal is to honor the Lord, to do his work, to plant, to grow the seed of the gospel in a person's life and to help cultivate that. As we see Paul and Apollos do, great examples of that knowing that God gives the increase. So is there increase in your life? Is there increase in your church? Is there increase in your marriage? Is there increase in your family life because you guys are walking faithfully and obediently before God? And the, and the last thing is, are you, are you in competition? Are you jealous? Are you causing strife? You know, when I'm around those situations, I will tell you, um, I try not to feed it because that's just the flesh try to pray, pray against it and find ways to edify and build up these people and encourage them so that I don't get sucked into that and start competing against them. We're not enemies. We're not to steal from one another. We're to assist and aid and help each other. So I will end with this, that there are so many things that many of us have done that we don't even think was that honorable and didn't get a lot of high praise or, or recognition. And yet God said, you're going to receive a reward for that one day. That's not going to be burned up. That was something very valuable and, 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 and treasured and something that he cherished. And he's going to one day tell you that. And so I pray that you're more sensitive to how you're living your life so you can receive those future rewards that your Heavenly Father, according to 1 Corinthians 4 or 5, will one day, each one of us, will receive his praise. We will receive his commendation from God. So my friends, if you have prayer requests or if you have Bible questions, make sure that you guys reach out to us and let us know that. Love to hear from you. You can do so by emailing me at info at standstrongministries.org. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please share that on the reviews out there to continue to help grow this platform to reach more people to stand strong in the word of God. And also, if God has called you to support various different parachurch nonprofit organizations that are about strengthening the faith of other people and the culture that we're living in today and the cancel culture, and you want to hear more about how this ministry is touching lives and you want to see it expand, you know what, to be honest, we are able to do this and produce this kind of stuff because of faithful listeners and donors just like you. So you can go to standstrongministries.org, click on Donate, and you can become a monthly Stand Strong supporter. And let me just say in advance, to all of those who are considering doing that and are about to, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your listenership. And thank you for partnering with us. Until next time, keep having those challenging conversations, you guys, as you stand strong in God's word. God bless you guys. Thank you.